church on Super Bowl Sunday. Is anybody excited today? Amen. It's going to be a fantastic day together today, and uh, we're going to be celebrating Jesus all day long. Who's with me today? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, uh, praise God. We've got a lot of great stuff going on, uh, but we're going to go ahead and open up the service this morning. So let's stand up together, and we're going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America. Amen. And we're going to keep believing and declaring that our nation is coming to Jesus. And someone would say, oh, I don't, that's not what I'm seeing. Well, we're going to walk by faith, not by sight. Can we get an amen today? Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. All right. Pastor Josh is receiving a little healing at home this morning, so Alex is going to be doing some guitar for us, and it's going to be a great day worshiping. Amen. Let's take a minute now and go around and shake some hands, give some fist bumps, some high fives. Some of us like hugs. All right, you know who you are. But make sure everybody gets a little love today. Let's go. Oh, 
You can be seated this morning. Amen. Hopefully everybody got a little love there. Hey, all right. It is great to see everybody this morning. Man, it is going to be an awesome day in the house of the Lord. Question for you, who's going to win tonight? Whoa, no, no, no. Jesus is going to win. Ah, gotcha. I set him up. I set him up and they took the bait. They took the bait. All right. Praise God. <laughs> nah, it's okay. It's okay. We love you. We love you. I'm not looking to start no fights today, uh, so I'm just going to leave this alone and praise God. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and we're going to get into some announcements here. Got some great stuff going on right now. Want to remind you that the men's weekly Bible study, Saturdays, 630 at Raymond's house. And so the guys had a great time last night. This is a weekly thing. And then we still have our once a month uh, men's meeting together. So, and then also the uh, beginners Bible class. Uh, this is the second week. It's a, it's a four week class, uh, but you can still hop in next week if you want. And this is a class that's kind of helping you to understand um, a little bit more about the Bible because people come in and they say, I want to read the Bible. I just have trouble understanding it or I don't know where to begin. Well, we're just covering some of the very basics of getting into the Bible. And uh, Rosalinda is teaching that class for us and she's doing a great job. So I'm excited about this, all right? And then we've got another new lift group. They're just all over the place. Beauty and the Bible has began, all right? Amen. And so uh, this Billy and Megan and some of them are leading this, uh, but it's a weekly lift group Thursdays from 6.30 to 8 p.m. over at Billy's new location. And uh, so that's a very exciting uh, thing. Uh, for the ladies right there. And then uh, they asked me to let you know that young adults uh, for the uh, 18 into the 20s is going to be uh, the 22nd of this month at 7 p.m., okay? Whoa, there they are. There they are. Okay, whoa. Okay, wow. They're potentially more excited about this than some of you are about the Super Bowl. That's a good sign. That's a really good sign. I'll take this. Amen. All right. So uh, praise God, the 22nd at 7 p.m. And then here is a big one. We've got baptisms coming up, everybody. Now, uh, we're almost out of room on that sheet. So... Uh, if you need to sign it on the back, we'll get your information on there. But it's going to be uh, Sunday, the 25th uh, at the 10 a.m. service. And we can also do it at 6 p.m. if you're a, a nighttime attender also. So, uh, but we're going to pass that around uh, Sunday, the 25th water baptisms, one of our favorite things. And then, of course, Easter is coming up, everybody. Easter. And... Uh, it's early this year. It falls in the month of March. Uh, so this is going to be one of the earlier Easter's you're maybe going to see in your lifetime. Uh, but it's going to be in uh, March and uh, it's very exciting. We're doing a lot. Uh, we're we going to be doing a play on Good Friday this year. We've never done a Good Friday service, but we're doing that this year. And uh, we were going to be doing auditions today. They were scheduled at three o'clock. And then we realized that there's another event at three o'clock today that approximately 85% of America, you know, may be tuning into. So uh, we've, we've <laughs> we have uh, postponed the auditions until next Sunday, okay? So Easter play auditions will be next Sunday at 3 p.m., okay? And so that's going on. But we do need candy and eggs. We're trying to do 4,000 eggs this year. Who believes we can stuff 4,000 eggs? Amen. 
So uh, we have the bins right back there by the info booth, so you can start bringing it in, candy and eggs, and uh, we're going to bless as many kids as we can this year. It's going to be absolutely incredible. So just get this on your calendar now and start preparing to get involved. Amen. All right. Well, we want to welcome you if you are with us today for maybe the first time or the first time in a long time. Uh, our welcome team has uh, some information they'd like to give you and a gift card. So if you could slip your hand up real quick, if that is you, and our welcome team will uh, make it over there to you. All right, anybody? Come on. All right, very good. Well, let's welcome them today with us. Amen. Hallelujah. If you will fill out that card and turn it into the info booth at the end of the service, uh, we have a Dutch Brothers gift card we'd like to uh, to give to you. And, uh, and, and and I say that, and some people are like, wait, it's been a while since I've been here. Like, no, 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 I'm talking about like you were here last week, okay? Seven days doesn't count, all right? Uh, don't do that. All right, praise God. Well, who knows what time it is now? Yes, amen. We're going to do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. And we get excited when we get a chance to give because God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. If you need an envelope, the ushers will get one to you. And if you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. And I'm going to pass this sign-up sheet around to you one more time uh, for the Easter play. If you're interested in being in the Easter play, they're going to pass that around. All right. Hallelujah. Somebody say glory to God. Hallelujah. He loved to hear you praise him. Uh, I want you to open up your Bibles. Well, not, don't open up your Bibles. I'm going to do this on the Living Bible. So I'll open up my Bible. It'll be on the screen up there. But the Lord's been reminding me the last few days how, how valuable it is to our lives to be praisers and thanking him for what he's doing. So many people concentrate on what they don't have and are not thankful for what they do have. I want to say that again. Too many people concentrate and focus on what they don't have, and they forget about what they do have. And this is very, very big in the eyes of God to be thankful people, to be grateful people. And I, I suggest as I read these verses here before the offering that you think about these this week when you go through life and just stop, stop and just check yourself out and see if you're thankful, if you're grateful, or if you're a whiner, if you're a complainer, and you'll see your life turn around. If things aren't working, you need to start putting up more praise and thanksgiving than you are anything else. Amen? Okay, I want to read this out of Psalms 50. And uh, verse 7, he says this. And this this talk about offerings. And I, I worked my way down to verse 14 and 15, which is where I've always majored at. But this week I noticed these verses preceding that. I thought, man, this is a good uh, scripture passage to read over our tithes and offerings today. It says, oh, my people, listen, for I am your God. Listen, here are my charges against you. I have no complaint about the sacrifices you bring to my altar. That's that's talking today about your tithes, your offerings, the things you bring to give to Jesus. It says, for you bring them regularly, but it isn't sacrificial bullocks and goats that I really want from you. For all the animals of field and forest are mine, cattle on a thousand hills, and all the birds upon the mountains. How many know that God made everything, has everything? And he made it for us to use, but he, he, God's not hungry. He's not broke. He doesn't need a light bill paid. God's God. He's got everything. He provided all those things for us. He says, if I were hungry, I would not mention it to you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. 
No, I don't need your sacrifice of flesh and blood. Now, look at this. And these verses right here, way back in 1982, Mrs. Pastor and I were getting ready to get married, go through a lot of things in life, and things weren't happening fast enough. And he gave me these verses for us. And over the last 44 years, whenever things start looking tough and rough, I always go to these two verses right here, and I remember what it is that moves the hand of God. He said, what I want from you is your true thanks. I want your promises fulfilled. I want you to trust me in your times of trouble so I can rescue you. I want you to trust me in your times of trouble so I can rescue you. Anybody here have times of trouble lately? Anybody need help from Jesus lately? And you hear the promises about tithing, hear the promises about sowing and reaping and giving. Well, God says, I don't really need that. You need that. I need you to bring it to me. I need you to break your heart. Pastor Dave uses a phrase all the time that he says, it's not about the money with God, it's about the heart condition of the person bringing the money. And so he said, what I want from you is your true things. I want your promises fulfilled. I want you to trust me in your times of trouble so I can rescue you and you can give me glory. God wants to rescue you where you're at right now. Whatever's going on right now, uh, there's an old saying that I used to hear all the time before I was a Christian, talk about giants and problems, that the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And so you look at your life right now, whether it's family things, job things, money things, uh, persecution things, health things, whatever it is, just know this, is God is bigger. I said, God is bigger. He wants to rescue you. He wants the word to come to pass in your life and maybe maybe it's time you turn from being a beggar to a praiser. Maybe it's time to quit saying, why, why, why? Win, win, win. Why not? Why not? Why? What's going on? Maybe it's time to start saying, Father, I want to thank you. I'm breathing today. Father, I want to thank you. i got a house to live in. I want to thank you, Jesus, the greatest thing. I'm born again. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I know if I die, I know where I'm going. I want to thank you, Lord. That grandma's already with you. I want to thank you that my mom's there. I want to thank you for the ones that I've loved. They're there already. I'll know I'll be there someday. And Lord, I just want to thank you. I know your word's true. It's like the song we sang. Even if I can't see you, I know you're working. Even if it doesn't feel anything, I know you're working. He said, I want your true things. I love to close my eyes and just go to that secret place, my prayer closet, and just close my eyes. And all of a sudden, I start seeing all the things he's done, all the things he's doing, and I start thanking him for it. I thank him many times that although I was diagnosed with bad things in 2017, 2018, I got healed of blood cancer. 2018, I got healed of serious heart stains. Last spring, I got healed of a stroke. I thank him that I'm still here. I'm thanking that I'm still getting to be a minister of the gospel to God's people. I thank him that I've seen all my children grow up. I've seen all my grandchildren grow up. I'm going to be at their weddings. I thank him for what he's doing. And so just think about what I'm telling you right now. When you bring your tithes, your offerings to God's altar, or if you give online and you just come up here to the altar because you love him and you know you've given to him, don't focus on that. Focus on him, he said. He said, I don't need those things. You need them because that's the law of sowing and reaping. You've got to cooperate with it. You've got to so cooperate with spiritual laws. But the main thing is 
It's your heart, your heart, your heart, your heart. Start being a praiser and a thinker more and more and more and more. And then God says, I will rescue you. I'll see my promises fulfilled in your life, and you can give me glory. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. And as we make this, as we make this financial faith confession over our tithes and offerings, just realize what you're saying here, but just at the same time stop and think about who you're saying them to. The one's going to back these things up because they're all Bible things. As we break the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finded money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for all my financial needs. So I have more than enough to take good care of my family, give generously to the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
worthy. So worthy. He shows up right on time. Right? We never have to worry. We don't have to beg him. And he's been there the whole time. Do 
imagine what it was like. Heaven holding their breath. Heaven waiting for that stone to be rolled away. Think about that. We've known this story the whole time we've been with him, right? We knew he died and he rose again. We know the stone was put in place and the stone was rolled away. Could you imagine holding your breath? God, everything rests on this. God, all of eternity rests on this. Could you imagine what it felt like to see that stone rolled away? To see those souls restored? To see eternity being promised to each and every one of you and you weren't even thought of to most people yet? That you get to walk this life knowing without a shadow of a doubt there's eternity in heaven waiting for you because of him, because of what he did, because of who he is. Think about that when we're doing this. And the morning that you rose, all of heaven held its breath till the stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from
Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands to him this morning. Lord, we love you and we are so grateful for all that you've done in our lives, Lord, for all that you are. And Lord, we celebrate you today. We praise you today. You said that if, that if, if we didn't praise you, the rocks would have to cry out. And so Jesus, you are worthy of our praise. You deserve our praise. And so we give you even the sacrifice of praise. We, we ask you to have your way in this service today, Lord. Say what needs to be said. Do what needs to be done so we can become more and more like you, so we can become more and more uh, uh, the person that you've created us to be. We praise your name and we love you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we give him some praise today? Amen. The Lord is good. Hallelujah. And his mercy endures forever. Amen. You can make your way to your seats this morning. And you can even give someone a high five on the way over there if you need to. Amen. What a great day to be together in the house of the Lord. Amen. I'm excited for the for the message today um, because we're going to be tagging on uh, to the really the last two weeks of uh, of this whole series. So who knows what our theme verse for 2024 is? Does anybody know? Yes, Luke 10 too. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. And so what we're talking about and what our, our, our focus and our vision is for this year is the harvest. And when we talk about that, I understand that not everybody may understand what we're talking about here, but the harvest represents people. It represents souls that need to be brought in to the kingdom of God. And that should excite you as a Christian. Could you imagine God using you Amen. God using you to bring somebody else out of a pathway to hell, and now they're on a pathway to heaven. Wouldn't that be the biggest thrill of your entire life? I can tell you that that is the biggest thrill. And, you know, we may get excited about, well, you know, the Super Bowl or, or the basketball or, you know, the stock market, whatever it is that just lights your fire. I'm telling you right now, getting somebody out of Satan's hands and into Jesus' arms is the greatest thrill that you will ever experience in your life. Oh my goodness. And so, uh, that's got to excite. If that doesn't excite you, then I'm just telling you, man, we need to do, we need to check something out. All right. If you need an outline for the sermon, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. You can kind of follow along there with us. And so we've been asking the last two weeks, what will it take to bring in the harvest? Well, a couple weeks ago, we pointed out faith. It's going to take faith to do what God has called you to do. Last week, we talked about love. You got to actually love God and actually love people if you're going to do anything for the Lord. If you're going to do anything to help others out, it's going to have to be by a motivation of love. And that brings us this week to what I want you to get. What's it going to take to bring in the harvest in your life? Obedience. Good answer? Survey says? All right, very good. Now, I know most people are not thrilled when we talk about obedience. 
or submission or discipline or sacrifice. These seem to, you know, come across as dirty words uh, to some, but I'm telling you right now, obedience is key to letting the Lord use. I mean, it it has to happen. It has to happen if you're going to be used by God. But the good news is, is that as we obey, God will absolutely bless you and do incredible things in your life. So we're going to be talking about obedience. Um, I heard a story uh, about a family one day. Uh, the, the fair came into town, one of these carnivals, you know, that we see coming in all the time around here. And there was a, a dad that had five kids and he thought this would be a good opportunity uh, to get the kids out of the house and give my wife a break. So I'm going to take the kids out and spend a little time with them, give her some peace and quiet. And all the moms were probably like, hey, uh, that would work for me. You know, I could use a little peace and quiet. So he gets there and right off the bat, he's like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. He goes right to the gang that he knows, you know, he's going to do really good at. And so he throws some darts, you know, pops a bunch of balloons and instantly wins a gigantic teddy bear. But he's got five kids on his hands and he's like, what am I going to do? There's one bear, but five kids. Okay. So he asked the kids this question. All right. Who here listens to mommy the most? Who here doesn't talk back to mommy? Who here does exactly what mommy says? And all five kids said, daddy, you deserve the bear. Okay. All right. I'll try again later. I'll try again later. All right. So, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you that everything we've talked about so far over the past five or six weeks may have sounded good or inspirational. You may have been like, yeah, yeah, I get that. But none of it matters if you don't do what the word of God tells you to do and what God is telling you to do in your life. Who in here you could say that God has already spoken to me in 2024 about some things that he wants me to do. And that's a really, really good sign. We've already had several people uh, here at church take some major steps toward responding to what God has told them to do to help bring in the harvest. Some have started serving in church now. Some have started some of these uh, Bible studies and small groups. Some have decided to give now. And all of these things are a step towards saying yes. These are a step towards being obedient to God. But I'm going to tell you that each of us here has a unique role to play on God's team. All of us have a, a, have a specific calling that God has put on our life. And so some people are called to work with the kids. Some people are called to, you know, be a greeter. Some people are called to help clean the church. Whatever it is, we're all on the same team. And I know this much, if you're going to be like a, a, a championship team in any sport, It's going to take somewhat of a team effort because even if you've got the best quarterback in the world, it doesn't matter if your defense gives up more points than what the offense is scoring. Who knows that? Right? I I mean, and, and it doesn't matter if you've got an awesome defense, if the quarterback and the running backs can't get the ball across the goal line, you got to put up some points and you got to stop the other team, the enemy from doing their thing. And then nobody appreciates the kicker until it's time to appreciate the kicker. Amen. And so there's a spot for everybody on God's team, but you have to realize you're going to need to step up and do your part for God this year. 
Oh, great. Here he is. He's asking for, I'm not asking you for anything. I'm asking for you to say yes to God in your life. I've got no idea what God is telling you to do. I've got no idea what God has been knocking on your door and saying, come on, come on. I don't know. That's between you and God, but I do know this much. It's always a good idea to obey God and do what he's telling you to do. And it is never, he never tells us to do something because he wants to harm us or because he just wants to make life really bad on us. There is always a blessing when we obey God. Is there anybody in here that's experienced what I'm talking about today? There's always a blessing. And so I'll just lay it out there. The goal today is this, is to motivate each one of us to begin taking steps and actually doing something for the Lord this year. It's time to get off the bench and get in to the game. Do you hear me today? I'm trying to help you out, all right? And so each one of us are at different levels. If you're someone that's new to the faith, you know, maybe simply getting baptized in a few weeks would be a major step for you. Do it. If God's telling you to get baptized, do it. I'm just going to say that, you know, if you're someone that's been in church for years and years and years and you've never actually helped out in an area or something like that, take a step and do something this year. Stretch yourself and you will begin growing, but you got to take a step somewhere along the way. And so I'm going to open up this morning with James chapter one. We're going to spend a lot of time in James chapter one. In fact, I believe our beginner's Bible class is studying the book of James, right? Yeah. All right. And so we're going to look at James chapter one. And this is just a very, the book of James is so straightforward. I love it. You know, you don't have to really guess like, what does he actually mean by that? You, you, you just understand. He's like, hey, you need to be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. That's what I mean. All right. That's James 1, 19. But, you know, he's straightforward and straight to the point, And I absolutely love that. So James chapter one, and we're going to look to start off with at verses 22 through 24 in the NLT. Who's excited for the Bible today? Let's go. Come on. James 1, 22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Can somebody say do? Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. And so, I mean, this is just, it's fire. And we're going to look at a few other things here. But I'm going to read this in the Message Bible today also, because the Message Bible just has a unique way of wording it sometimes. But it says this, don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you are anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Woo-hoo-hoo, someone. If that's you, don't, don't raise your hand. We don't want to know, all right? Just keep that to yourself. It says, act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. And so the word of God was not only meant to be heard and read, it is, but it's, it is so importantly that it is meant to be obeyed. You gotta do something with what you hear and that's when you start seeing your life change. Because I've seen people that have been in church for decades 
And they could, you could show them a verse like, man, I've heard that since before you were born, man. Like, okay, bravo, then why hasn't it changed your life? It's not going to change your life until you actually do what it says to do. The blessing isn't in the hearing. The blessing is in the hearing and the doing of what God's word says. And so you may be like, yeah, I've been hearing this my whole life. I don't know why nothing's changed. Nothing will change until you obey the word of God that you have heard. That's when you're going to start seeing a difference. And so let's get into this. I'm feeling generous today, so there's four points instead of two or three. Calm down, calm down, all right? Calm down. I know, you're like, I've been waiting for a four-point sermon for months. All right, calm down, all right? Calm down, all right. Number one, if you listen to the Bible but don't do what it says, you'll be deceived. If you just listen to the Bible but don't do what it says, you'll be deceived. Well, that doesn't sound like a very good thing. I didn't say it. James said it in James 1, 22. And so here it is in yet another translation, the New King James. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I'm not making this up. I'm reading the Bible. Okay, listen. If you don't do what it says, but you only hear it, you will be in deception. So again, there's a lot of people who know the Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself, but the blessing doesn't come from knowing that. The blessing comes when you do that. You hear what I'm saying this morning? The blessing is in the obedience to God's word, not in the simple knowledge of it. And so I think about it this way. What if I study about weightlifting and bodybuilding, but I never actually do it? And I'm like, hey, I, I want to help you out, man. I want to, you know, I've been reading all about this. Okay, well, do you have any experience? No, I've never done it. Never touched a weight in my life. But listen, I've read all about it. Now, what I want to do is sculpt you into, you know, what? No, nobody would want to listen to a thing I had to say. Why? Because you want to hear somebody that's not only read about it, but somebody that has done it. And so, coincidentally, I do know a lot about building the uh, dad bod. The dad bod. Have you ever heard about the dad bod? <laughs> We're starting a small group for dad bods. No, that's a joke. All right. So, praise God. But, listen, I, I, I like doers a lot more than talkers. There's plenty of people that talk, but there's not enough people, according to Jesus, that actually do something about the word. And so... We've been talking for about six weeks now about how every single person here has a calling and a purpose for their life to help other people out and bring them in to the kingdom of God. Do you know that? You've got to get this in your heart or everything we're saying, you're not going to get that excited about and you're just going to be thinking about lunch right now. Listen to me. Every person in this room has a purpose and a call from God. And, and it will always involve loving God and loving other people. And until you think that bringing in the harvest is just Pastor Dave's job or, you know, Desiree's job or, yeah, that's for them. I'm just, you know, I'm here to hear a good word, man. Get some motivation. Well, listen, you exist for a greater thing than that. This isn't just my job. This is all of our jobs to love God and love other people enough to actually do something about it. Do you love God this morning? Do you love other people this morning? Yeah, then get excited that God's going to use you for something really, really big. Amen. All right. And so let, uh, verses 23 through 24 again. 
recap, we already read this. It says, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. Can you imagine looking in the mirror and seeing your hair all messed up? Seeing a boogie in your nose or something like that. You know, you got something in your teeth and you're like, wow, that's messed up. And you just walk about your day? No. If you see something in the mirror, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to fix it. I mean, at least most, most of us would. We would fix it and be like, you know what? I need, to, I need to correct this before I go and try to present myself to the world. Well, it's the same thing when you look into the Word of God and see some things that we're supposed to be doing. And we're like, huh, interesting. And then just walk out the door without taking a single action to do it. That's as crazy as looking in the mirror and seeing a boogie and not doing anything at all. Same thing, all right? The exact same thing. And so we got to do something. Number two, I'm going to tell you today is this. Take a step of faith. Take a step of faith. I want you to see Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. And because, you know, you may be feeling God dealing with you on something and you're like, I do feel the Lord kind of tugging at my heart here, but man, I just don't know how I could do that. I don't think I could make that happen. I, I don't know, uh, you know, I, that, would, that would be uncomfortable if I went and did that. This is called taking a step of faith. God is probably going to challenge you to do something that is out of your comfort zone. It could potentially require you getting off of the couch and setting the remote down. I'm not going to guarantee that, but it could. It could potentially require you putting your phone away and talking to people. Now, I'm not prophesying into your world right now, but I'm just saying it could be outside of your comfort zone. And so I'm going to look here at Matthew chapter 14, and we're going to pick it up uh, at verse 24. And so we have here an incredible story from the Bible. This is one of my favorite stories to picture. And I mean, I would have loved to have witnessed this one right here. But Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 24, it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Isn't this, I mean, picture this. Here they are, the middle of the night, the waves crashing, going up and down, and here comes Jesus himself walking on the water toward them. And if you read, uh, I think it's John's account of this, it was like a three miles. They were like three miles out to sea. And so sometimes we picture that he just walked, you know, a few feet. I mean, he was walking miles in the middle of the night, three o'clock in the morning on the water to get to the disciples. And so don't think in your life that you're so far out there that Jesus wouldn't do anything to walk out there and get a hold of you and bring you back in. He'll do it. And check this out, verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. I mean, you know, you, can, you can, don't, can't blame them on this. Verse 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. And I could read that verse all day long, even in my own life. Don't be afraid, Jesus says, I'm here now everything's going to be okay. 
It changes everything when Jesus shows up. Verse 28, then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. What a powerful moment. And we know what happens next. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back in the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Now, as we look at this story, some people kind of point and laugh at Peter and like, huh, what a loser. He, <laughs> he sank. And I'm like, I don't see it that way. I see this as, oh my gosh, there's two people in human history that have actually walked on water. And we just read about both of them. One was Jesus Christ. The other was Peter. I don't care if he walked three steps or four steps or five steps. It's three more steps than any of us have ever taken on the water. I don't care. You know what I mean? And so you notice something about this right here. It's when he began to look around at the waves. When he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. It's the same way in your life. If your eyes are on Jesus, you can do the impossible. If your eyes are on the wind and the waves and what everybody else is saying and everybody else's opinions, you'll sink every single time. Jesus has to be the focus of your faith. And so right here, what I love about this is 11 guys were perfectly dry sitting in a boat and did absolutely nothing. One guy, oh yeah, he got dunked. Yeah, he got soaking wet. But guess what? He walked on the water for a little bit, didn't he? He actually did something when he saw Jesus coming. And I've heard some preachers say it this way. I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat sitter any day of the week. I don't, I don't care, man. I'd rather get wet and get a little bit of the action than sit in the boat, you know, and not ever do anything for the Lord. And so one thing that I want to tell you is it's okay if you try something out for the Lord and it's not a 100% success. At least you got off the bench and took a swing at it. You know what I mean? I respect somebody that struck out swinging a lot more than someone that just sits in the stands and gives their commentary, right? So tonight, someone's going to lose the Super Bowl. Someone's going to win. Someone's going to lose. And about 150 million people are going to be talking and making fun of the team that lost. And the truth is, where were we? We were eating hot wings and nachos on our fat behinds, not in the Super Bowl, right? So... Really, we could just shut up because <laughs> there's not a chance any of us could have done any better than the punter on the losing team. Not a one of us, right? Yeah, we're still going to give our input and our commentary. Why didn't he do this? I'll tell you what, blah, 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 blah. Man, stop that, okay? And, and, and the truth of the matter is this. We got all the armchair quarterbacks and all the, you know, all the people sitting on their couch, not actually doing anything. Uh, but I respect someone that's actually out there giving it a shot. And there's plenty of Christians who won't ever lift a finger to help the Lord or their church, but they've got plenty of commentary about those that do. Tell you what, if I was mopping the lobby floor, I'd do it this way. 
okay, well, at least someone's doing it. Just let that, I know, I feel like we let that marinate for a minute, that thought, just mull it over, mull it over for a minute, okay? You need to think about this, that you got no position to criticize somebody that's actually doing something if you don't do anything for God. You know, I see people bashing different preachers and pastors all the time, and I'm like, okay, well, how many people have you led to the Lord this year? Okay, we'll make it easier. How many people have you led to the Lord in the past two decades? You've got no business criticizing and making fun of and badgering somebody that's, that does more for God in one day than you've done in two or three decades. I don't care if they're not perfect. I don't care if they don't meet your high standards. Who cares? At least they're in the game. Something to think about. And, you know, we've tried different things that have failed. You know, I can look back uh, on ministry. There's been some things that seemed like a great idea at the time, and we did it, and it was a swing and a miss. But guess what? At least we tried. You know what I mean? So I've got no regrets. There's been some things, like, that seemed brilliant, but it just well, it turned out it didn't work out. That's okay. What do you do? You say, okay, Lord, well, what's next? What do I do next? And I, you've probably heard this um, illustration, but... Thomas Edison tried 2,774 ways to make the light bulb before he found the way that actually worked. Now, when he had tried about around his 2,000th try at this thing, somebody called him a failure. And he reportedly said, I have not failed. I've just found 2,000 ways that don't work. All I need to do is find the one way that does work. And aren't you glad that Tommy Boy didn't give up? Aren't you glad, you know, that we've got lights, we've got electricity, you've got a phone to be by your side every waking moment of the day and night, amen? You know, don't you love the man? Because he didn't give up. And so I'm telling you today, man, don't give up. Do something for God, even if it's a small thing. This is my challenge for you today. I'm not going to tell you what to do for God. Do something. Something is better than nothing. Do something for God. And again, I love people that are doers, that actually do stuff. You know, when I'm looking for leaders or, or you know, people to, uh, just for ministry, I'm not looking for people to have the most degrees or the most talent. I'm looking for people that actually get stuff done. If you got a seventh grade education, but you show up to work, I'll take you over the PhD that doesn't do anything ever. I don't care. Yeah, but this guy went to here, 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 here. Who cares? He's a hearer. He's not a doer. I'll take the person that heard a little and did something with the little bit he heard. That's fine. I will take that seven days a week, any day of the year. Because hearers only... They aren't worth much in the kingdom of God. You got to do something with what you hear. And, you know, you're not going to get very far with the Lord if you live your life by excuses. Amen? Anybody like a good excuse? (laughs) No, excuses are awful. Because I found out that when I make an excuse for not doing something, God will use somebody else that had a much bigger potential excuse to do the job and then shame me. You know what I mean? Like, wow, I guess I could have done that. I've got two functional arms and two functional legs and 
partially a brain, and I could have, no, I'm joking, I shouldn't make fun of myself, I'm sorry, but, you know, I, I could have done that, and so I read this story this week that was just captivating me, very interesting. I read about a man named Bill Irwin who hiked the entire Appalachian Trail, and I would love to go, you know, hike some of the Appalachian Trail someday, but uh, it, it starts down in Georgia and goes all the way uh, into Mount Katahdin, Maine. It's a 2,100-mile hike from, from uh, start to finish. Now, Bill was not the first person to ever hike the entire Appalachian Trail, uh, and, and he was not uh, you know, the first person to start there in Georgia and go all the way up, but he was the first person in this respect. He's 100% blind. And so he was uh, d- got delivered from alcoholism, and, uh, and he decided, he turned 50, and he decided, you know what, I want to do this. This man, in 1990, hiked 2,100 miles with no GPS, no map, no compass, and nobody else other than his dog. He went, him and his German shepherd hiked the entire 2,100 miles. He estimated that he tripped and fell down 5,000 times on the journey. And so that equals out to 20-something times a day over an eight-month period. He broke some ribs. He skinned his knees. He got hypothermia. And he did all of this, but he, he finished. He actually did it. And so I'm looking at my life like, God's man, you're asking me to hike over to 7-Eleven and get a Slurpee and tell someone about Jesus. And, this, and I, I say, no, I can't do that. I couldn't possibly do that. No, listen, excuses, they may work really good out here in the king, you know, in, in our world, in the kingdom of God. No excuses. If God's speaking to your heart, just do it. Do something for God. Be a doer, not a hearer only. Do you see how deceived we can be when we know God's saying, hey, come on, do this. And you're like, eh, no, I don't know. Someone else will do it. You're a deceived person and it's not good for your life. Number three, on that note, let's go to number three. Obedience is a key part of your foundation. Obedience is a key part of your foundation. Let's go to Luke chapter six, amen. Something that I should have—I th- forgot to throw in about Bill Irwin is that his life verse was 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. <laughs> he finished that whole thing totally by faith because there was no sight. I think that's a beautiful story. Luke chapter six, we're gonna look at verses 46 through 49. Luke chapter six, verses 46 through 49. Now, I have been using these verses a lot over the past few months. I should average it out, but I probably use these verses every two or three sermons. And so that's just what the Lord's telling me to do. And so if you're like, yeah, we heard that a couple weeks ago, Pastor Dave. We'll hear it again today, okay? This is your lucky day. Luke chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 46 through 49. And again, this is Jesus himself speaking to us. And it starts out with this. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep 
and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and does not obey, here is the key to the whole story. Anyone who hears but does not obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. And so these, again, these these two guys right here, someone could say, well, that's not fair. I mean, uh, this guy just had it better. He, you know, he probably, no, no, no. Both of these guys had the exact same scenario. They both had the opportunity to build a house, right? They both had storms come to them. This is a totally level playing field, but the difference is one person decided to just throw life together and not take the time to lay the foundation. And then when the storm came, he paid the price. And so sometimes in our life, I see this like all the time. Someone, they have a bad thing happen in their life. It's not fair. How come this guy didn't have it happen? How come that didn't happen? What the thing is, is you don't know. That guy has had much worse things come across his life. But he took the time to lay the foundation. And so many of us, you may be in your 30s, 40s, 50s now. And you let's just get real. You just kind of threw life together and... Hope for the best. Well, what do we got to do now? We got to kind of go back a little bit and start properly laying the foundation. And, well, that could take some time, man, but... Duh. Yeah. Laying the foundation takes time. And I've said this, but... Lazy people don't want to take the time that it takes, uh, the time that you put in to really do this thing right. Laying the foundation is huge. It's everything because I'm not prophesying bad things into your life right now. But I will tell you that at some point or another, there's going to be some storms that blow into your life. It's going to happen. And what are you going to do? Because I know that it's a good idea to start getting on the word after the storm hits. But as we've said, it's really hard to lay concrete when you've already got standing water in the house. I mean, you know, do something by all means, but isn't it a lot better when you already laid that foundation? Then the storm comes and you're like, man, I don't like this storm, but it's okay. We're solid. We've got this. Jesus is our rock. Amen. And so check it out. Uh, Jesus gave us three keys in verse 47, three keys, three simple steps for making him your foundation. Three simple steps. This is not complicated. Hey, come to him. Who's done that? Well, you're at church today. I mean, that's a pretty good indication that you're coming to Jesus. B, listen to his word. Who's on board with that? Amen. All right. So far, you're on board with it. And so far, the guy with the sandy foundation is also on board with it. And then we go to C, and that is obey his word. Okay? And so in this story, both guys did steps A and B. Only one guy did step C. And this is not that deep or complicated, but I'm telling you, this really does work. And Jesus said, why do you call me Lord if you don't ever do anything I say? 
I, I mean, that is a piercing question because nearly anybody that, you know, at least as a casual Christian, if you like, is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Yes, brother, he is. He is my Lord. Really? <laughs> you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not judging your life. Although Jesus did say you can judge a tree by its fruit, but I'm just going to leave that over there. And so if you don't ever do anything that he tells you to do, he is not your Lord. And I'm not being mean. I'm just, he said it, not me. He may be your savior. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. I'm not questioning your salvation here, but I am certainly challenging you to examine the lordship of your life. Who you obey is your Lord. And for a lot of people, even those that go to church, I know who their Lord is. It's themselves and their mood and their emotions. They do what they feel like doing. They do what they're in the mood to do. So who's their Lord? Their mood is. If it's a good mood, then hey, we'll do something for, you know, Jesus today. If they're in a bad mood, like, no, I'm not doing that. Are you kidding me? You know, you know, people do that stuff. And I'm like, listen, that doesn't make it. He's not your Lord until you do what he says to do. Until you obey the word of God, then Jesus becomes your Lord. And so I say it this way, most people have no problem at all with steps A and B. It's step C that most people don't want to follow. Step C is the difference maker. Do you understand that today? Again, this is not that deep. Maybe you're coming for a deep, heavy, revy, a theological breakthrough. I don't have that today. I've got very basic Christianity. Come to Jesus, listen to his word, do what that word says. That's it. I mean, I, that's what I've got for you today. But it'll change your life. And so that brings me to point number four, and that's this. There is blessing in obedience. There is blessing in the obedience. Now, do you think the scriptures tell us to do something just for the fun of it? No. There's always a reason and there's always a blessing for those that obey. The blessing of Luke chapter 6 that we just read, what's the blessing there? We have a stable life. You're strong. You can withstand the storms. Who would like to have a strong and stable life that no matter what comes your way, you're fine. You're good. Absolutely. Everybody wants that, but not everybody wants to do step C that we just saw. And so that's not going to happen for everybody. It'll happen for people that come to Jesus, listen to his word, and do what the word says. Now, recap, I'm just going to throw this on the screen, James 1.25, okay? Because this says what we're trying to prove here, James 1.25. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, what's the perfect law that sets you free? It's the word of God. It's the Bible. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, what happens? Then God will bless you for doing it. Can I ask you a question today? Will God bless you for doing his word? Yes. This isn't a trick. We just gave it to you. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to try it again. This should be a, nobody should get this one wrong. I want to, you know, A plus is for everybody. Will God bless you for doing his word? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And this isn't just, you know, like, oh, you're one of those churches that just preaches that everything's apple pie in the sky and everything's good. Well, I'd rather be that than a church that says everything is doom and gloom. But at the same time, 
I'm just saying that it's an undeniable fact. I don't only obey God so he'll do good things for me. My main motivation is that I love him so much. In fact, you could write this down. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. That's my number one reason for obeying the Bible and the Lord, because I love him so much. But yeah, I would say in my top five reasons, it also doesn't hurt that God blesses me and makes my life a lot better when I do what he says to do. Amen. I mean, it's a, that's, it's a factual statement that he does bless my life. And so God will bless you for obeying. And check this out. Even if it says to forgive somebody that you don't like and you do forgive them and they still treat you bad, guess what? God will still bless you for doing right. Well, I tried to forgive and now they're still mean. I guess I don't get a blessing. No, you obeyed. That's on them now. They'll answer to God, right? Romans 13 says, revenge belongs to the Lord. (laughs) But at the same time, I'm telling you this, that if you obey, even if nobody else does, you still get blessed. This is a very good scenario for us. And so I can't control if anyone else is going to obey the word, but I can control if I'm going to obey the word. That's something you need to think about. I'd obey, but how come none of them do? Who cares? You know, I'm always reminded of the very last chapter of John. Uh, Jesus is talking uh, to, to, the, to the disciples. and he, he tells Peter, he gives him an illustration and it basically says, Peter, you're going to die as a martyr. You, you will be crucified. When you're an old man, they will stretch your arms out and take you to places that you don't want to go. And he was telling him, you're going to die for me, the, you know, someday. And, and then some of the guys are like, well, hey, what about John over there? <laughs> and Jesus said, hey, that's none of your business. What I do with John is his business, but you don't worry about John, you worry about you. And I, as a parent and a father, I know this, that when we tell one kid to do something, what does he say? Okay, but what about him? Okay. And some adult Christians, God will tell you something or, you know, whatever. Maybe you hear something in the sermon, whatever the case is. Okay, fine. I'll do it. What about him though? And God's saying, mind your own business. Good answer. All right. What I'm going to do with him is between me and him. What I'm going to do in your life is between me and you. Focus on you. You know, what would the Gen Zers say? Stay in your lane. Okay. Stay in your lane. Yeah. Stay in your lane. Ignore, you know, mind your own business. Okay. What God's going to do in somebody else's life is their business. What God's telling you to do is your business. I'm not responsible for what you do. I'm responsible for what I do. And so I just need to obey. I just need to obey the word of God. One last verse today, Hebrews eleven six. Hebrews eleven six. Hey, we're making good time for a four-point sermon here, huh? Wow. Hebrews eleven six. And this is a life-changing verse. I absolutely love this verse. I had to memorize this in sixth grade. I had to memorize most of this chapter in sixth grade at the Christian school I went to. Hebrews 11 and verse 6, and it tells us this, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Okay, we know this. 
why? Well, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God actually exists, right? How are you going to believe and come to God if you don't even think he's real? So it's going to take faith. But look at this last part. Here's what I'm getting at. And that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. He rewards those who sincerely seek him. And you may not be perfect. I'm going to tell you that. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. None of us are. But guess what? If you're sincere, God knows that. And so you may step out of the boat to try something out for the Lord. You may take a step of faith and you begin to sink or it's not a, you know, it's not a a home run. You're first at bat. Listen, you were sincerely seeking God and God knows that. And he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Well, how do I sincerely seek him? Come to Jesus, listen to his word, and do what his word says. This is sincerely seeking him. And when we do that, I mean, the goal is is that God's going to help other people. But we know this much. God will also bless you for doing something for him because he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And so I want, I just want to challenge you this week that you should be praying this week about what you can do for the Lord this year. Has anybody asked God, you know, uh, and I, I put it this way the first Sunday of the year, but everybody, you know, asks you to raise your hand. Who's got some goals for the new year? I'm going to have washboard abs before the 4th of July. <laughs> okay. But beyond that, okay. You've got goals. You've got, you've got a vision board. You've got a target. Okay. You've asked yourself what your goals are this year. Who's asked God what his goals are for your life this year? Right? And so we're already into February, okay? Well, we've got a lot of year ahead of us. We're just laying the foundation still. But I am challenging you this week to talk to the Lord. Read the word, amen? We've got a devotion. We, we will straight give you something to read every single day. There's a devotion, but I'm challenging you, talk to God this week and say, Lord, what is it that you want me to do this year? To show love for you and to show love for other people. That's what we saw last week, to love God and love people. And I don't know, man, what if he doesn't say anything? Oh, believe me, (laughs) he'll tell you something, guarantee it. He will speak to you. And I put it this way, if you don't seem to hear anything from the Lord, hey, we will guide you. We will help you. We will just find something to do. John Rockefeller, the richest man in American history, worth $600 billion dollars, uh, in today's currency, a lot of people don't know it. He was the church janitor. He lit the candles and swept the floors between the pews before church in the 1800s in Ohio. And he wasn't worth 600 billion at that point, but he was worth several million in the 1800s. And he's like, I, I can't preach, I can't sing, but I know how to move a broom back and forth and light candles. So that's what he did. All right. But here's the thing. When we do something for God, it's going to help other people and it's going to open the door for God's blessing in your life. If you've been like, I don't know why I'm not seeing results. Well, I'll tell you why. Because you've been hearing the word, but you haven't been 
doing anything with it. When you become a doer, then you start to become a receiver of God's blessings. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise today? All right. Well, we're going to do something real unique today. All right. Oh, I knew it. Something's coming. No, this isn't. I'm going to, I'm going to present an exciting thing to the church family here today. All right. And so we're talking about the harvest. Who knows that we're talking about bringing in the harvest? You should know we just finished the sixth sermon on it, but whatever. Uh, so we're talking about bringing in the harvest. And here's the deal. We need a place to put the harvest. We need, you know, because the harvest is people. That's the harvest. And and so uh, a lot of people have approached me about this and I've procrastinated, but I'm like, you know, last week after the ushers nearly got me in an arm bar, I decided, okay, fine, I'll do something. I tap, I quit. No, and they didn't really do that. They did. But so what What was, it's this, you may not realize it or not. Well, you probably do, but who has seen that High Desert Word Center has you could say grown over the last couple of years. Amen. And that's good. We want that. That's good. So in the past three years, you've, you know, maybe you saw this on your giving letter, but the church has experienced a 129% increase in weekly attendance. That is quite a bit. And, you know, you come to Sunday mornings and a lot of you don't realize that if you're here at six o'clock tonight, you're going to see a whole different crowd of people that work the morning shift and they come to Sunday nights. And so there's going to be, you know, a hundred more people tonight. And then on Wednesday night to get a whole other crowd of people. And, you know, some of you guys too, that Wednesday night's their night to come to church. And, uh, and then the youth, the youth building is just jam packed and, uh, the, the kids are everywhere. Um, I haven't seen this week yet, but just last Sunday, for instance, there's 105 minors in the service. All right. 105. That's a lot of kids. And so, I love the problems that we have. They're great problems to have as a church family. But here's one thing that this could be your first step to doing something to get involved with bringing in the harvest. Have you noticed that every week we run out of these nice burgundy chairs every week? (laughs) I've got ushers running around. I mean, I think two weeks ago they texted me, we set up nine extra rows today. We need you. And so last week they set up even more. And, you know, there's some people, you know, thought today was Super Bowl Sunday, so they didn't have to come. But we still, I see four or five extra rows of chairs, all right? Even just on a, on a down day. And so we are going to be purchasing more chairs, everybody. And uh, I love this. Uh, we've been talking about it for a while, and I've, I've been procrastinating. I'm like, we can keep setting up those brown chairs from the 60s. I think people like those. But uh, last Sunday, the ushers, let's hear it for the ushers. Give them a hand. All right. they, they begged us, please just get more chairs. I'm like, fine, we're going to do this. So, you know, it worked out. I wasn't planning on uh, getting, you know, more chairs right after the sermon about obedience. It just worked out that way, I swear. All right, this had no, <laughs> it wasn't lined up. So we'll just say that God worked it out this way. But I am going to tell you today that today could be just one minor step uh, towards bringing in 
the harvest. This could be uh, a minor step for you. And so I'm going to paint a picture for you here real quick. And we haven't done this in a very long time, taking up a special offering, but I think this is so cool. Each chair costs approximately $50, all right? And so, you know, it's more like 51, but we're going to say $50. And so picture each chair as another person that gets to come into church and hear the gospel, that Jesus loves them. He's not looking to destroy them. He's looking to save them. So do you see that? That each chair represents another person that gets to hear the good news. And it's $50 for a chair. And so specifically, if you have a friend or a loved one that you've been praying for to come into church, why don't you view it this way? You could buy them a seat to sit in when they get here. I think that's cool. And so I, I just, you know, I like to Google things and I found this out. Super Bowl tickets tonight are going for around $8,600 for a one-time three-hour event. And people are glad to pay it. $8,600 for a three-hour seat. What if we bought somebody a $50 lifetime seat? Think about that, man. And so, you know, as, as we're, we're going to take up a special offering for this here today. And I'm not, you know, I'm, we're not going to sit here and who could give this? No, listen. And the truth be told, there's people in here that could just, one person could do it all by themselves. I get that. But I don't want that. I didn't want to just go to one person and say, hey, can you do this? And yeah, we could have even taken it out of the church savings and just made it happen. But what I want to do is this. I want to give everybody in the church the opportunity to participate and get involved in bringing in the harvest. That wouldn't be honest, honest to God. It wouldn't be fair for just, you know, say, hey, you know, why don't you just take that? No, everybody can take a step of faith and get involved and make room for the harvest. And so our goal is we want to buy a hundred more chairs. A hundred more shares, and that should get us through the next little bit. Unless the current growth rate continues, then we'll just have to buy even more, and that's fine. But we want to buy a hundred shares for fifty dollars a piece. And I'm, I've already—I wrote a check out this morning. I'm not going to ask people to do something that Pastor Kate and I wouldn't do. I'm going to buy some chairs today, man, multiples, and I'm happy about it. But for you this morning, man, if God is speaking to your heart, let's be a doer on this. And so, you know, uh, the ushers, come on up, ushers, you can pass out some envelopes here. And I'll say this, you know, this is a great chance for you to take a step of faith. If you want to give something, because someone's already said this to me, if you want to give, but you can't today, you're like, well, I get paid later in the week. Okay. You know what? That's cool. Just take an envelope maybe and write pledge on it. Plus the amount say I'm pledging Fifty dollars to buy a chair, or whatever it is that God's saying to your heart, and then bring it in within the, the next two weeks. Does that sound like that could work for some people? That you could bring that in within the next two weeks, and then I'm going to add on to that what my dad always says in an offering like this: If you make a pledge, and then something happens between now and then, and you couldn't fulfill that, listen, we're not going to be upset or judge you. Or there's no, we've all been in spots, okay? If you pledged something and it and it just didn't work out, hey, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. Come to church. We'd rather have you here in church 
so we can love you, uh, than you to be embarrassed and say, oh, I don't want to go back now because I couldn't fulfill that. Just forget it, okay? That's, that's don't, don't even think like that. If you wanted to give it online, you know, some people are on the internet and, and maybe you're here and you just want to give it through the church website. That's cool. HDWC.org slash giving. And there's a tab on there that says building and maintenance. And you could just put it in that fund. I think that'd be okay. And then, then we could see where that's at. But Again, I'm excited that we have such, uh, you know, these are good problems to have that we're just running out of room and we need more seats. And uh, I'm, I'm just, this is an awesome, awesome uh, opportunity for everybody to get involved and do something to bring in the harvest. Amen. Give the Lord some praise today. And so heads up, looking into the future, give you a heads up. Uh, We are in the beginning stages and processes, all right, of building an additional building for the children, okay? And this is really big news. so don't ask me how, when, you know, I, I can tell you the why. You can't, you can't ask me why. And the why is, is that we got to have more space for the kids. We have so many kids in this church that it's unbelievable. And you look in this room, as full as it is with adults right now, there's nearly equal this many kids in that building, that building, and these two rooms, they're all over the place. It's, it's wild and it's beautiful, but we want to properly care for your kids, but for God's kids. And they need a super safe and good place that they can come in in a great environment and hear the word of God. And so uh, in the months ahead, okay, uh, we're going to be stepping into this big step of faith to build a whole extra building just for the kids with a bunch of classrooms. I just want a bunch of bunch of classrooms for the kids. <laughs> I want them to have an awesome spot. And so be in faith about that right now. God's going to use us uh, to do something great, to take care of the kids in Barstow so they can hear the word of God. Well, where's it all going to come from? Hey, it's going to come from heaven. I don't have it. <laughs> I don't have it, but I know this much, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If it's God's will, it's God's bill, all right? I'm not going to lose sleep over this. I'm just going to say, hey, Lord, uh, here's the bill for the children's building. Let's go, amen? But the first step, today's just a very minor step. You know, it's $5,000 approximately total that we need for some new chairs. And uh, for some people, that sounds like a crazy amount of money. For some people, they're like, dude, I could cough that out right now. Listen, we're just taking a step of faith. And all of this, what does it represent? Bringing in the harvest so those people that have a broken marriage can come in and get their marriage fixed. So that single mom or that single dad that feels like they're at the end of their rope can come in here and just hear the word of God while their kids are in a safe environment for an hour or two. For that person that has cancer and the doctor said, no, there's nothing else we can do. So they can come into a church that actually believes that God still heals people of cancer. Amen. And so this is what we do, man. We love God and we love people. And sometimes, yeah, it means that I give in an offering like this, but my goodness, he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Can we give the Lord some praise today? Amen. Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. Let's stand up.
Amen. The ushers are up here. And again, if you're like, I want to give, but you know, I just, it's going to be a few days before I can do it. That's fine. Uh, again, you can just write that you're pledging something plus the amount on there. So we know, and, uh, and then we'll know what it's all about. Hey, we got a little girl started off here. Let's do it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, Hey, you're not going to wait for me to start coming up then. And then in a minute, we'll pray for people. Hallelujah. Come on up, everybody. Go ahead. team come on up this morning amen if you're here and you need prayer we want to agree with you today and uh, and just release our faith with yours that god is working in your life but the biggest thing that we could offer you today is this more valuable than gold more valuable than silver more valuable than any amount of money in this world is the human soul the human being that they would receive jesus There's nothing more valuable than even the poorest person in this world. They're more valuable than $600 trillion of money. Amen. That's God's best creation, and you're part of that. And so what I want to offer you today is this. We want to lead you in a prayer. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, behold, now is the day of salvation. And if maybe you have at some point, but you kind of walked away from the Lord, well, today... Let's step over that bridge and come home to Jesus and get things where they need to be. Amen. And so let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. And we're going to pray together today. Say this with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died, that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for any wrong I've done. I promise to live for you. Give me the strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Give him some praise today. Praise the Lord. If you're here and you prayed that and you meant it, and this is your moment of coming back to Jesus, or maybe this is your very first time ever receiving Jesus, we want to help you. We want to connect you with what we call a spiritual personal trainer, an SPT, and it's somebody that will uh, mentor you for the next 30 days here from church. They're going to text you some Bible verses and prayers every day. They're going to be praying over your life, and you know, if you want to come in and sit down and talk for a little bit, 
it. They'll do that with you. But you've got 30 days with somebody to help you get started on your faith journey. Come see Jose. He's right here by the piano raising his hand. Come over here and see Jose while we're praying for people. He'll get your information and we'll connect you with somebody. All right, they're going to lead us in one final worship song. If you need prayer for anything at all, come up this morning. And if you don't need prayer, somebody else does. So stay reverent and pray for those that are receiving for just a few more minutes today. Amen.
going to go ahead and close things out today. Uh, does anybody receive from the Word of God this morning? Amen. Who's ready to be a doer of God's Word and not just a hearer only? Hallelujah. Amen. And we're going to have some more seats in here very, very soon so you can invite even more friends and family to hear the good news about Jesus. Well, we want to remind you that we do have service tonight at 6 o'clock. We're going to be competing head-to-head with the Super Bowl, uh, but I believe we've got a more valuable message than what they have. And so, uh, But it's going to be a great night, and you know, we don't judge you if you're going to watch the Super Bowl. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, we are going to be here preaching the Word of God hot and heavy. There's no FPU, uh, so those of you that take Financial Peace University, that's not going to be happening tonight, uh, but uh, we will be having service at 6 o'clock. Amen. Let's go ahead, and we're going to close out in prayer that we'll do our Barstow Faith confession and you can be dismissed. Let's raise our hands together as we pray. The apostle Paul said that holy men everywhere should raise their hands in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we love you so much. You have been so, so good to us. And Lord, we know that you are good all the time. No matter what, you are good. And I pray that as we've heard the word of God today, it's not going to go in one ear and right out the other. We're not going to forget this by the time we eat lunch, Lord, but that we're taking this into our hearts, God, and that we are going to do something with the word of God today. And Lord, if you've been dealing with anybody hear about stepping up to do something for you, I pray that this would be the day that they actually take those steps and do it. If you've been calling into something, Lord, no matter how big or small, I pray that they would start taking some steps to be a doer of the word because we know you reward those who sincerely seek you. And God, we also thank you that we're going to have all the chairs that we need in this building for all these people that keep coming in, Father. And we're going to be able to build a great children's building that is up to your standards, God, up to your standards of what you want. In the name of Jesus, we love you. Amen. All right. Give him some praise today. Let's do our Barstow faith confession, and then you can be dismissed. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you tonight.